You know, there are more people in the world today than ever before. I think it's somewhere around 8 billion people now. Isn't it amazing? And, um, you know, we're able to connect with people and with technology uh, more than ever before. So I've just been up in, uh, as you know, in Egypt, and then I went up to Austria for a few days. And look, I could connect with anyone in the world virtually, just by phone, by text, by, by email, or whatever it is. So the ability to connect is off the charts. And yet, people feel more disconnected than ever. Loneliness is an epidemic. How does that work? More connected by email, etc. More people. Auckland's growing. Wherever you are, it's probably growing your area as well. And yet, people are more lonely than ever before. There's a lot of reasons that you can be lonely. But I think what happens is that technology and this thing here and this thing here and the internet and all the rest of it gives us a false sense of being connected to people. We think, you know, because we're chatting with someone online or on Instagram or Facebook or whatever, oh, we are connected. <laughs> so what, what we do, we get online and we check our emails, we, we scroll this away and away, and uh, con- you know, we learn to connect, 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 and we look up and we're lonely. Yeah. Unconnected. Feel, where are my friends? Where are the people? We've got to get back to face-to-face connection. Not screen-to-screen. <laughs> that's not a person, folks. <laughs> that's just a screen. Tell a person, that's not... No, don't say anything. It's not a person. <laughs> that's not a person. That's a screen. <laughs> you may think they like you. They possibly hate you. <laughs> they might say something nice to you. Oh, lovely to see you looking awesome. But underneath, they're not thinking that at all. You can say anything on this thing, or on internet, or Facebook, or whatever you want to, and it's, it's true. And so, people are more lonely and disconnected than ever before. Can I add another problem in this whole scenario? And that is, people are difficult. Has anyone found that? Yeah. If you haven't, you, you're not alive. <laughs> so what happens is we get hurt, and then we isolate. Yeah. We isolate ourselves from other people because we don't want to get, it's too hard. We think it's too hard. Some of you have thought, oh, I've spent too long trying to get to know people. Like, it doesn't work. I quit. I give up on it. But life and Christianity is all about connection with people. It's all about loving people, caring people, being related to other people, joining with. It's essential to your mental health and to your personal well-being. So after the death of Jesus, we're going to read a verse of Scripture in John 20, verse 19. It says, on the evening of that first day, this is after Jesus has died, been crucified, the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with, locked door, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. What do we find? In a time of great crisis, the disciples are huddled together to face this crisis. You are never meant to do life alone. In fact, you can't do it alone. It's just 
too hard. You know, we need people around us. I need people around me. I have people around me. So when crises come, when struggles come, I am not alone. And friends, God doesn't want any of us to try and face this life alone because it is simply just too hard. And also, it's not the way God planned or intended us to live our lives together. You just think of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's a message right there, folks, that even God didn't, in a sense, go it alone. There were three of them, three and one, one and three, however you want to talk about it. But I think that's a picture for us that it's Christianity. Life is all about relationships. So you were created to have relationships with other people. And we all want those deep, meaningful relationships. Of course we do. You want it and I want it. And you know, when you get one of those, or some of those, a real, deep, meaningful friendship, it's one of the greatest gifts God will ever give you. It is pure gold. And you need to treasure it and value it and appreciate it and kind of not let it go too easily because that's what we were made for. But I want to raise an issue here. We have got a God-given pursuit of friendships. It's in every human being, unless you've hurt so much and you're now isolated. So it's in all of us. But the problem with that God-given pursuit is there is a great danger that we connect with the wrong people. We're so needing of relationships that anyone who would be our friend would say, oh, great, come on board, I'll be a friend. No, 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 hold on a moment. <laughs> wrong relationships, wrong friendships can destroy your future. And all the parents of teenagers said, you don't wanna say it too loud, do you? But you know exactly what I'm talking about. How many of you know of someone who's going down the track, doing well in life, doing well in God, suddenly caught up with the wrong person? Friendship with the wrong person, and now their life is an absolute mess, an absolute shambles. So we gotta be real careful that in our pursuit of relationships, we make sure we connect with the right people. Uh, but so the contrast to that is when you have the right people around you, wow, you can just about survive anything. People who are gonna tell you you're okay. You're going to make it. It's going to be good. The future is better than the past. God is for you. He's not abandoned you. You know, we're praying for you. You know, you've got what it takes. You know, there's, there's, there's quality in your life. God's got a great plan for your life. His plans are for good and not for evil. Hey, we're with you. We'll support you. We'll back. You will make it through. I believe in you. If you have people around you who are going to say that, you just about get through anything. In fact, I read a quote the other day, and I'll try and find it for you. But the quote went, this is how the quote went. It said, almost anything is possible when you have the right people to support you. Almost anything is possible if you have the right people to support you. So my question to you today is, have you got the right people around you to support you? Have you worked on that whole area of your life? Because I'm telling you, the day is coming if it's not already come, when you are going to need them. I've had numbers of occasions in my life where I have needed people around me. And if I didn't have them, I don't know where I'd be today. Seriously, that's how important this is. Because you, you design, you created, you shape. Put it this way, God didn't put it in you to make it alone. Yeah. Full stop. You have to have these people. And it's not just, I think you can be in a family and marriage, and that's good as well, and that's a great part of it, but I think we need to go way beyond that and uh, find others to support us as well. 
So going back to the thought of connection, when your internet won't work, what's the first thing you do? You check the connection. Today is a connection check. I just want to do a connection check with you because in three specific areas, one of our problems <laughs> is we, some of us are more concerned about our internet and our phone connection than our connection with people and our connection with God and other areas that are so much more important. You know, if your internet goes down, how many of you get really ticked off if your internet goes down? Come on, give me a wave. You, you go crazy, don't you? You go berserk. Here's a thought for you. If your internet connection's not working, you check your connection straight away. I want to suggest to you, if your life is not working, if you're struggling, if you're battling, you need to check your connections. You need to check your connections. I'm going to give you three areas of connection that we're going to see from the disciples that we need to look at, all right? The first one is your connection with God. How is it? How is your connection with God? You might say, keep preaching, Pastor. I mean, no, I'm going to just wait. Because I want you to think about it. Because if that connection's not in place, you are going to struggle. Everything comes back to your connection with God. And so we've got to keep an eye on that one all the time. Yeah, by all means, keep an eye on your internet connection. Your feed connection. Yeah, by all means, I've got nothing against that. But more important, how's your connection with God? Check it. Work on it. <laughs> Get it right. Because everything in life flows from your connection with God. That's how you were designed. And if some of us think we can do it without that, let me give you some proof. Look at who reckons our world's a mess? Who reckons it's a total mess? Who reckons it's an absolute disaster? Do you know why? No connection with God. Therefore, we can do this without a connection with God. Take that picture of this massive world in disarray and destruction and devastation and put it down to your own personal life. If your connection with God is not in a good place, your life will be in a downward spiral. So that's the first thing. So the disciples, we know these 11, 12, however many were there were, maybe there are more than that in the room. We know they had a strong personal connection with Jesus. And that's what was it. That was the key to the whole thing. So that's the first connection that they had in place. But then there's a second connection. If your life is kind of unraveling or you're struggling or battling, you're in a trial or a challenge, the second connection you've got to check is your connection with others. And so we see the disciples here. They got this right as well. They are huddled together, the group of them in the room, and then Jesus turns up. So they are in the midst of a great crisis. Their leader has been crucified, but they are connected. So they're ready to face the battle. They're ready to face the trial because they're connected to God and they're connected to one another. Tell the person next to you, this is good preaching. <laughs> I had to get you to say that because I knew you wouldn't say it otherwise. I hope your campuses are saying that as well, all right? How are you? I wonder which campus has got the best connections, one with God and two with one another. Someone want to yell out? I can't hear you. It could be any of you, but uh, it's, it's, we need those connections to be in place. So, so when you're going back to this connection with one another, I'll talk about this for a few moments. 
Friendship is hard work. <laughs> How many of you know that? It takes time. Everyone say time. T-I-M-E. Say time. How many of you are too busy? Huh? Too busy to connect with people? Then if you're too busy, you know what that means? It means you're too busy. Change it. Change it. Tell the person next to you, change it. Come on. Don't be so busy. You know, you, you, if you're too busy, you can't live the life God intended you to live. So it takes time. Time talking, laughing, crying, praying, sporting, whatever you do, I don't know, just doing life together. But here's my point. When crisis comes, you're going to need people around you. You need to develop those friendships, relationships, invest in them now before the crisis comes. <laughs> you can't wait for the crisis and say, oh, right, I'm gonna go and find a whole lot of friends to support me. By the time you found them, you may have crashed. So you gotta invest your time now, now, all right? Develop those relationships, develop those friendships. And you know, look, it just makes life so much richer. It's so much more rewarding. It's so much more fulfilling. You know, life on your own, pretty boring. You know, you, other people around you, that just brings a, well, that's the way God created us and that's why it works so well and that's why we can enjoy it so much more. I read this quote, a real friend is one who walks in when the rest of the world walks out. Wow. Wow. When you're in a crisis, major crisis, you find out who your friends are. You really do. And it's sad. It can be heartbreaking. I mean, I'm getting involved with numbers of situations from time to time. And, you know, one of the things I hear, you know, I'm finding out who my friends were, my real friends, those who are sticking with me. Um, and that's, it's a sad thing to hear, but that's a real friend sticks there. But, you know, some people are lonely. Listen to this carefully, all right? Because as soon as someone gets annoying, they move on to the next person. You know, you ne <laughs> everybody is annoying at times. Is that right? Tell the person next to you, you are annoying at times. <laughs> I don't know about your other campers, but the West has just come alive. People have just woken up because they know what I'm saying is true. <laughs> Everybody is annoying. And you know, you, you're gonna find this hard to believe, eh? But you know, even myself. <laughs> you know, I, I can be annoying. I, I mean, I know. I think it was 33 years ago, I was once annoying. It's the only time I've ever been annoying. <laughs> but it did happen once. Look, everybody is annoying. We are frail human beings with a sinful nature. And so if you're gonna depart every time a person gets annoying, you are gonna be a very lonely person. Because you know what? You are annoying as well. It's crazy, isn't it? You know, I'm moving on because they're annoying and they're looking at you and thinking, you're just as annoying as I am. Look, everybody is annoying. Everybody is annoying. Say, so get real. If you want friendships, just say, hey, they're my best friend. Man, they're so annoying, but they're still my best friend. Think about it. How many relationships have you abandoned 
because the person got annoying. This is what, let, me, let me tell you something. Over my lifetime, there are people I've got relationship with and they've got really annoying. And I have started to withdraw and thought, man, why should I, why should I put up with this? And then God met with me and said, no, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't withdraw from them. And so I hung in with some of these relationships. And do you know today is some of the best relationships I've got? Do you know what happens? When God sees you getting connected with the right people, the enemy comes in and says, I've got to split this up. These people together, they're going to be a powerful combination. They're going to do devastation. They're going to do destruction. I've got to put a wedge between them. So just be real careful that sometimes the people who annoy you most may be the very people you need in your life more than anyone else. And everyone said? Amen. Now what you said is, I don't like that, Pastor. Can you get to the next point? <laughs> All right. So the disciples were connected to God, to Jesus, because he turned up in the room. They were connected to one another, huddled together. But then they were also connected to a place. You see, where, they, where Jesus turns up in this passage here, many scholars, or most scholars agree, this room was the same room they celebrated the Passover a few days earlier. They also suggest it's the same place they would gather again in Acts 1 and 2, uh, when the Holy Spirit would come, this, this room would be the birthplace of the church. So these disciples returned to the place where they were connected to Jesus and connected to one another. Now listen for a moment. Right now, many of God's people are scattered for various reasons, and some of those reasons are valid. But what we've got to remember is that we have an enemy, and one of his major goals is to keep us in isolation. Keep us away from connecting with one another. Keep us away from connecting with God's people and God's house, and keep us in isolation. That's why my message today is called Connection. Bible is all about connection, the need to be together. So the disciples, we see it so clearly, they were connected to God. They were connected to one another. They were connected to the place which would become the birthplace of the church where God would move in great power. Because what we read, as we read on a little bit further, is that, um, that well, we're going to come to it in a moment, but this is where God actually turned up in a powerful, powerful way. So Hebrews 10, 24 to 25, you've heard it so often. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward good deeds. So we spur one another up, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. That's written 2,000 years ago, but it's just as true today. We cannot give up meeting together in Jesus' name. We need each other. We need the presence of God. We need His house. You know, there's many, you know, one, one thing I love about getting together with God's people. There are so many testimonies that I hear, and you hear them as well. People come into a service into one of the campuses or come in here downcast, troubled, overwhelmed, struggling, discouraged. They get into the service, the band starts to play. You know, music begins to go. You know, people begin to worship. Someone raises their hand. 
you know, the, the, the message is, is preached. You know, fellowship, connection takes place. And you hear it over and over again. By the end of the service, the person works, walks out with faith restored, yeah. hope built up, courage instilled within their hearts, and ready to face another day. There is no place like the house of God where God comes and turns up and does incredible and amazing things. Some things happen in the house of God that simply does not happen in other places. So huddled in the upper room, this is where the disciples are. Listen for this. Uh, Jesus tells him now, wait for the Holy Spirit. And then suddenly there's a sound, a mighty rushing wind, tongues of fire. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. They go and turn the world upside down. Friends, it was when they were all together in one place that the Spirit came in power. There is no place like the house of God. So one of the best ways with connection to be connected with one another to form friendships, to have the right people around you, to support you in times of struggle, battle, and stress is to be part of a small group. Part of a small group. You know, coming out of COVID, this last couple of years, the pandemic, one of the things it's taught us is that we can't do church the way we always did it. We have to make some changes. And one of the biggest changes that we are attempting to make in Church Unlimited is to get everyone into a small group. I mean, every person into a small group. Because we know that that is really where connection happens. That is really where God is able to, uh, able to help people, support people through the challenges and trials of life. And you know, small groups have been important in the past, but I think with the, what is ahead for the nation, and the nations of the world, the troubles that are all around. It's not going to get better, folks. I'm sorry for the bad news. It is going to get tougher and harder as the years go by. You, we're going to need small groups. We're going to need people around us. We're going to need support around us more than ever before. You know, Adrian and I are part of a small group. And it's, it's, it's just so good knowing that you've got people there that can support you and love you and stand with you and believe in you in, in good times and bad times and in between times. It's, a, it's, it's, such, a, it's such an important part of our lives to be connected with other people. And I'm going to give you some reasons why we do that in just a moment. I'm going to give you five compelling reasons to be in a small group. But this was, was Howard Schneider said this, virtually every movement of spiritual renewal in the church has been accompanied by a return to small groups in homes. Virtually every move of spiritual, how many of you know we need a spiritual renewal? Is that right? Yeah, nearly every time when there's renewal, well, can you know what happens when there's renewal? People want to get close to one another. <laughs> they want to be connected. They want to study the Word of God together. And so there comes a return to small groups. But let me give you five reasons why I want to encourage you across our campuses to join a small group. Number one is this. It's a method that Jesus used. The method Jesus used. You know, with the whole world to reach, what did Jesus do? <laughs> he met with 12. And he discipled them, he taught them, he trained them. And that group of 12 went out and had greater impact than all of your mega churches and churches in the world combined. A small group shook the known world. 
God's method is a small group gathered together, disciple. The impact of that group can be exponential. We're yet to see the impact of small groups. We're yet to see what God can do through a small group of 8, 10, 5, 7, 12 people and the impact that it can have. And the model we've got to go back to is Jesus. How many of you reckon Jesus probably knew the best way to do things? He did, didn't he? He said, get a small group. Don't worry so much about, you know, you need the crowds as well. And he ministered to the crowds. We know that as well. But his method was a small group. Number two, it's a method the early church used. We need to understand this. Uh, Acts 2, 46 to 47. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread. So they met in the temple courts, let's say the church. And then they broke bread in their homes. All right, you got that? And ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Praising God, enjoying the favour of all the people. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. To be a New Testament Christian, my recommendation is we're a part of a small group because that's actually the way they did it in the very beginning. So small groups is not just a good idea. Oh, pastor wants us all in a small group. No, no, no. <laughs> I believe God wants us all in a small group. This is not about what I want. I just teach the Word of God. I look at what's in here, find out what it is. I'm always looking for the blueprint of the early church, by the way. I'm always looking, God, what was your church meant to be like? Because if we can get back to what it's meant to be like, we're going to change this nation. And so we've got to go back to the blueprint. God, what, what do we see in there? there? There's lots of things. We see the power of God, all those other things that you hear me talk about. But we also see this focus on small groups. So there's something about small groups that is a key to reaching a society, a community, and even a nation. And notice here, as they spent in small groups, what happened? The Lord added to their number daily, daily, those who were being saved. Wow. So small groups is an ideal place to invite the unsaved. Why? Because you can, hopefully, if you're in a small, you're going to have fun. Everyone say fun. Yeah, food, food, fellowship. Anyone's going to come for those three alone. And then you just sneak in the Bible and a bit of prayer. And you offer prayer for people. People are happy about this. So that, you know, this is where people can be saved and uh, find God. And, um, you know, some of you know that um, I don't do it that often, but I do have a small group of unsaved uh, Auckland Grammar School old boys that we meet, we just met recently, not long ago, get together. And that's my part of my mission, you know, because I want a missional element in my life. I want to be connected with people who don't know Jesus. Of course, I've got all my family and relatives for a start. But mission is a big part of small groups. And I reckon if we can add mission into our small groups, they're going to go to another level. So number three, it's a place of love and support. And you've got a couple of more points and then we're done. In North Carolina, many years ago, they had this huge downfall of snow. And along the highway were all these pine trees. And what they noticed about the pine trees is as the snow got heavier and heavier, the tree branches would lean against another tree and they'd support one another. But where there was a tree on its own, the branch snapped and was lying alone in the snow. When the trials of life come, friends, the battles, we need to be able to lean on other believers. We need to be able to lean on them. So we may be leaning, but they, they, they can hold us up. God help the person that leans on their own because it's just going to be so hard. And you might say, well, I just don't need people around me. I can cope on my own. Well, you don't know at what stage you may need that, you know, help in your life. And small groups are an ideal place for this. 
Something someone told me this, being part of a small group can actually restore your confidence to re-engage with people. Do you know what's happened with COVID? People have got isolated, and now they're struggling to re-engage. They're lacking confidence. Some people are too scared. You know, some, one reason some people aren't back in the house is because they've, they've lost connection and they've lost confidence to get back with people. A small group is where you can regain confidence. It's like early first step one entry back into being in fellowship with other people. Friend, you'll be surprised at how many people are out there that have lost their confidence. So maybe you can reach out to them and, hey, hold their hand and help them get back uh, to be restored. The other thing we noticed about small groups is during the pandemic, those in a small group survived better. Their faith held together better because there was mutual encouragement, support, and help for another. So there's just so many benefits of small groups. Another thing is, of course, it's a place of meaningful service and the development of gifts. And so you get an opportunity to you know, use your gifts for God. I heard of this, uh, this uh, life group leader, not in our church, and the pastor had, had been telling them, hey, you need to you know, look after the people. And so they got a phone call about this a baby that had a, um, was it a, 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 a brain tumour. And he was just a, the leader, campus, uh, uh, small group leader, freaked out. And he thought, oh, man, I've got to get the pass. And then he thought, oh, I'm, I'm actually enemy to do this myself. So he went with his wife nervously to this hospital bed, prayed for the baby, the brain tumour, miraculously healed by the power of God. Thank God the pastor didn't go. Hey, seriously. You know, some, sometimes your miracle is in a small group. It's not gonna be in the house of God. People in your group have more faith than some of the pastors, including me. And sometimes they're gonna be the key to the miracle. And it didn't have to be the small group leader. Any of the one in the small group could have gone and prayed because we all have the same Holy Spirit. We all have resurrection power. We all are called to have a science following ministry. If we mobilize a church and we can do that through small groups, wow, we're gonna see so many more breakthroughs, healings, miracles. And in fact, it's uh, true. You know, in small groups, people can gather to pray for you. And when a group prays for you, it's far more powerful than an individual praying for you. So you get a group of people, three or four praying for you. Man, God's, we're two or more gathered. God is in the midst. You know, most or a majority of our miracles, healings, breakthroughs come from small groups. It's a place of power. My last point is this, is in a small group, discipleship can take place. It's hard to do discipleship really in a big crowd. But on a small group gathering, you know, there can be accountability. In fact, they say, some research tells us, ladies, listen to this, men grow seven times faster spiritually in a small group than just by attending church on a Sunday morning. Tell the person next to you, seven times faster. How many of you would like to grow seven times faster? I think it applies to all of us. It applies to everybody. You grow seven times faster if you're in a small group. So, hey, why not? Why wouldn't you get into a small group where there can be, you know, obviously discussion and accountability and all the rest of it. And the whole, it's a place of relationship building. See, in small, it's, it's not easy to build relationships, strong relationships in a big crowd. But you get in a small group, you can develop strong relationships. You know, the downside of technology is this. People become passive and disengaged. Just look at the screen. All the, all the wives know that. The husband just looks at the screen. Watching the All Blacks play, you know, Ireland. Honey, come, can I talk to you? No, no. Shh, shh, shh. They're about to score. Quiet, get out. Go for a walk or get me some coffee. And they're like, just stuck on a screen. What is that? I know none of you are like that. So high on watching, 
and low on doing. Yeah. And all the wives said, that's right, high on watching, not doing anything, <laughs> disengaged. So I think you get my point. You know, there's a lot of input. Input, just feed yeah. me, screen, feed me, <laughs> feed me some more, feed me some more. I'm not going to do anything. Yeah. High on input, low on output. The problem is when there's no output, you're slowly dying. You're slowly dying spiritually. You know, when you're not reaching out, you're not loving people, you're not connecting, not praying for people. Not, when you're not giving out, you know, given it shall be given to you. The more you give unto, out to others, the more God will give back yeah. into you. All right, I pray as I close, musicians can come. I pray that you're going to find a group that's right for you. <laughs> where you're blessed and where you are a blessing. All right, so it's not just so you get blessed, so you can be a blessing to others. You know, there's, oh, by the way, there are no perfect small groups. Did anyone know that? Even Jesus' small group had a Judas. Huh? Right? He couldn't even get a small group that was perfect. So don't look for the perfect small group, you know? And in fact, you find one, please don't join it because you'll wreck it. <laughs> Just find a group, get in, get involved. It will change and transform your life. If we can get enough people in the small groups in, in, in Church Unlimited, uh, all across our campuses, I believe the level of love and support will just go to a whole new level. People will discover their gifts, their callings. There'll be more healings, miracles, breakthroughs. We'll be able to help everybody through the crises of their lives. No one is going to have to fall apart because of some crisis that has struck them because there's going to be a group around them that are going to love them, support them, love them unconditionally, care for them and guide them and help them through to the next, pla next place. We're going to see so many wonderful things happen and that Church Unlimited will become an amazing place where everybody wants to attend. In Jesus' name, Amen.